Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks, and today we're going to be talking about animal intelligence. That rules me out. <laughs> well, humans count into this too, so we are animals. But you said intelligence. Don't be so hard on yourself. This, this, <laughs> this entire episode came about because of Mel B. She sparked this entire episode because we were talking Sorry. about uh, how her barn animals, well, you thought they were smart or not smart. And she said, well, it all depends on how you kind of gauge an animal's intelligence, which kind of got me thinking, like, how, how do humans and scientists really do that? Because I think we go about it in a really weird way. We try to hold animals to like our standards, which is completely ridiculous mm -hmm. considering. It's true. I mean, if, if you tried to hold them, first off, they know more than one language. They know whatever language they're using, whether it's chips and calls or sounds. And then they're also domesticated animals, for example, are starting to learn like our languages and can pick up 200 plus words in some cases in some animals. So it's really interesting. And I've uncovered a lot of really cool facts that we're going to learn. So Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. So um, how would you guys define animal intelligence? So we'll start off with Cheryl since oh, she's right in front of me. me. Um, for wild animals, I see how they survive. Like it's all survival in their environment. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at things. Um, yeah. That's okay. my short and sweet answer. Ethan? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Can I go last? Ye I guess. <laughs> Melissa? <laughs> I go last. <laughs> but what if Melissa wants to go last? Okay. Well, I have a question. <clears throat> Do you want me to get into the nitty gritty or you just want like a simple answer? Just a simple baseline answer. We'll get okay. into the nitty gritty. Um, so I base a lot of it on, in my opinion of intelligence on adaptability. So animals that can easily adapt to seasons or changes in their environment. They're not, you know, just stuck on one plant or eating one specific thing. They can they can survive through all of it. Awesome. All right. Non-naturalist Ethan. <laughs> Thank you for that preface. No, I think I think that's really good. I was going to say something along the lines of like whatever an animal or creature does like beyond just its instinct. Um like I think of something like an earthworm, it's almost all just like responding to stimuli and then oh, sorry for that notification on my computer. Um but then something that's able to problem solve and like you said adapt to different situations cool yeah so that's basically exactly it so it's a combination of skills and abilities that allow animals to live and adapt in their specific environments um, and as we know there are some animals that are able to do it not even in their specific environments when we think about invasive species for example they're able to do it in everyone's environment so i i put them pretty high up so, sorry about that. The Those animals, I think, are really high up on my intelligence level because, one, they're able to kind of, um, you know, not only travel or find a way to other countries and other places, but they're able to get into these environments and establish a population and outcompete native species. So, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so, I think in terms of humans on a broad scale with the exceptions of scientists, um, ecologists, and biologists that are studying specific animal intelligence, we as humans hold these animals to a human-like standard. So when you think about a lab rat, for example, uh, lab rats, we send them through mazes and to do things that we would think of as, you know, these are what we determine makes you an intelligent animal or not. And then when you think about a domesticated pet, for example, um, you want your dog or your cat or horse or whatever it may be, <laughs> Melissa, your 73 animals, to, to basically do what you say when you say. Uh, so they're responding to our language, your voice, um, you know, cues that you're putting out, um, you know, movements and things like that. So it's really, really interesting, in my opinion, that we do hold these animals um, on a broad scale as humans to this human-like standard of intelligence. One thing that I noticed 
that I remember from college, which I don't remember everything, but I remember um, animals' ability to survive also included their fitness. So when I say fitness, I don't mean their, you know, how in shape they are. Uh, I mean their ability to reproduce. So in terms of ecology, we refer to that as their ability to reproduce. So in my opinion, if an animal is unable to reproduce, that puts their stock way down or it's hard for them to reproduce or they have to have very specific habitat needs or specific resources that they need to reproduce. I Mm -hmm. think those things also play a factor into that. So wait, you think that lowers their, their like intelligence quotient? Yes, absolutely. Isn't that just like a biological thing though? It can be, but if you, when you think about an adaptation overall for an animal, this one got real sciencey real quick. <laughs> I'm, I I'm here say, for can, it. I can like we it. define intelligence to begin with? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you, you, see, you really you do can't. have to kind of you, define You, you would have to make a specific test for each individual species of animal or family or genus of animal and like administer that to the quote unquote highest intelligent animals, which would take you forever to find. So I think using their ability to adapt and their ability for fitness and ability to survive in pretty much like Melissa said, in any type of environment or shift through a new environment um, makes them more successful and more intelligent, in my opinion, just an opinion, not fact. Because when I think of intelligence, I think of something that's happening cerebrally, (laughs) you know, something that's like more so happening in your brain, not, not just defined by, I guess, like your biological structure. Like, like when you're talking about the, uh, an animal or a creature's ability to reproduce, like, I don't know. I, I like- okay, so I kind of get what Mike is trying to say about, so some animals, they don't just reproduce like rabbits. They, they have to have a specific time period. Um, like sea otters, they have to basically be beaten to a pulp to get the female to go into estrus in order to be able to reproduce. And it's up the male to the male to figure out how to do that. So so I get what you're saying about like trying to figure out how to reproduce because it's not just, it's not that easy for some animals. Yeah. Well, yeah. And um, again, an example that I only know from David Attenborough specials uh, are like a great albatross uh, since they mate for life and they mate in the same place every year, uh, either the male or the female will return to the mating ground around the same time every year. And if their mate from the previous year doesn't return, they don't mate. And like, that's it. Like, oh, well, sorry, you're out of luck. I mean, to an extent. So like bald eagles, they do the same thing. They mate for life. If their mate gets killed during breeding season, they're going to remate within a week. If it's not during breeding season, they do wait just till the next breeding it's season. harsh, bro. That's not it enough is. time to grieve. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I mean, we want to, like, idealize this mating for life thing. And for some animals, I think it is true. But for most, their goal in life is to eat, breed, and eat. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, I have that written down right here. <laughs> that is their goal. Well, that's so, interesting. Well, that, that's good great insight for me you know because again i like i said i only learned that from a david attenborough special which of course is dramatized for viewership oh, for sure they they want to pull at your heartstrings the, the whole point of they what do. is that word what, the, you, what is the word when you try to put human emotions onto an animal anthropomorphize thank you i was gonna say really? anthropology that's the word store. that's the word you know <laughs> unbelievable he just like i'm not surprised. how he pulled that out <laughs> Like, this is what we do as <laughs> naturalists. And he's just like, oh, right. anthropomorphize. Right. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> but we don't do that. So, like, those specials, they are fantastic. And I think they're full of great information. But the whole point of them is to tug at your heartstrings and make you feel like you have a connection to those animals. You care about them. So yeah. you do what you can to protect them. So, so they do kind of over-dramatize they make you know, it relationships yeah. and what we would think of as what animals should do as humans. Well, that's fantastic information. It really is. That's great insight. 
Here, watch this penguin's hug. You're welcome. Squeeze in. <laughs> not to burst your bubble. No, not at all. No, a- absolutely not. I mean, it it just broadens the horizons. And in some ways, it makes me appreciate the animal kingdom even more, mm. you know? I'm glad to know that that beautiful albatross will find a way. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. And I mean, that's not to say sometimes they don't find a mate. Like, sometimes they're just that low on the totem pole and they're, there is nothing left. But they're still going to try to reproduce. That's the whole point mm-hmm. of living, of kind yeah. of. I mean, when you think about you. <laughs> when you think about animals that migrate, for example, um, there's some people that there are scientists that believe that it, it is genetically ingrained in their body, but there's some of it that that requires intelligence as well. Think about birds, for example, um, like Arctic terns and black pole warblers that travel upwards. Uh, the the Arctic terns can travel upwards of ten thousand miles in a single year. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. a lot of us don't even travel that in our lifetime. I mean, and these birds are able to, one, navigate there, two, adapt to changing weather, food scarcities, and other things, and then stop, hang out for a little while, and then make it back to breed. Like, Mm -hmm. that is fascinating. And then you think about monarch butterflies, which is something that everybody's heard of around our area of Ohio. Melissa has made it very known that one of her favorite things to do, um, at least in the past it has been, um, as it becomes more difficult and the numbers start to drop, it gets more disheartening. Hard. <laughs> a lot of work. But those, that symbolic migration is just fascinating that these tiny little insects are able to migrate here. You know, obviously there's a whole set of it's not as we've talked about before it's yeah. generations it's not just one butterfly traveling all the way up and then all the way back in one go but there's generations and they're not some of them aren't alive for very long so they live these short lives and are able to kind of make sure that their species is able to carry on i think personally that humans hurt some of these animals in some cases um by trying to intervene in some cases and monarch butterflies might be one of them here in the future as we see um, as more data kind of comes out with that. Um, but we'll we'll see. The verdict's still out. Not not <laughs> completely convinced, but not completely not convinced would be the easiest. What Mike is getting at is so as monarch butterflies, the the whole, you know, protect the species, a lot of people have started to raise them, which there's nothing like terrible with that because we raise them. Um but it's one of those things that not everybody really should be doing. So it's hard to regulate that. So not everybody is putting them outside. Not everybody is keeping them in sunlight. Not everybody is making sure they're getting the correct amount of food. So in, in the long run, they're starting to see that monarch butterflies that are raised inside don't have that migration in them. So they, they don't know how to judge the, um, the the day cycle they don't know which direction to go they don't know how to find their own food so it's all of those you know biological things that they're getting from the input of the environment where they would normally be that they're not getting if you raise them in a temperature controlled area so monarch watches which is the group that does all the monarch monitoring especially down in mexico they are really pushing for any of the tagging that gets done is to tag ones that are wild and not raise as many. We still continue to raise a few just because we like to have the life cycle to be able to show people. But Mm -hmm. other than that, we really need to kind of try to let nature do its thing and more protect the, the environment itself rather than trying to protect the, the individual. Which that is a huge, huge thing because when you think about animals that are not considered intelligent can anybody think of one if you if you think of one just kind of spout it out it can be from anywhere in, in the world well i give you yes what'd you beautiful, say though what'd you say melissa I, a blobfish a blobfish they're literally a blob of jello <laughs> it's exactly and they can't swim and they just float around with their mouth open until something swims in what a life <laughs> what a life that sounds great to me can That's I my s- retirement. Plan. Yeah. Can yeah. I sign her up? Can I sign up to do that? <laughs> Blobfish study. What it's like to be one. 
pretty cool. Uh, was that yours, Ethan? Uh, well, no, I was going to use the earthworm example that I used before that kind of, it at least from a non-naturalist viewpoint, it looks like their life is mostly responding to stimuli. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong. I was wrong about albatross. But they're very, very important. Um, earthworms, fun fact, are not native to North America. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Sorry, we yeah. are just ruining your yeah, life Ethan, today. We, we are just <laughs> Sorry, hold on, hold on. How? They were brought here from Europe to help with farming and to aerate soil and to mix nutrients and to help break things down. Yeah. They're actually really bad to have in forests. Yeah. Yes. What? They eat yeah. all the leaf litter, which leaf litter is very, very important to the forest ecosystem because it, it's habitat for... Um, hibernating insects, amphibians, um, reptiles, but these earthworms pretty much break down that leaf litter to the point where it's all gone, pretty much. So that um, takes away that, that vital habitat in the forest. There are some interesting yeah. studies out about how um, earthworms might be the decrease in pseudoscorpions, if you've ever seen one of these things. It's basically a really teeny tiny looks like a scorpion but uh, there's been a major decrease over the last like 20 30 years and they believe that it's because of the lack of leaf litter and things that they feed in and will live in so and there's probably a, a bunch of other arthropods and insects that are affected um by these earthworms that's crazy because i've always thought of earthworms as like a vital member of the decomposers family i mean in, in your in, garden yes in, yeah. in your garden yep. <laughs> But not in the forest. Not in the forest. That's insane. I mean, because like it, they're so ingrained in like natural world culture. You know, like the early bird gets the worms. Like, oh, they're just worms. Like worms are everywhere, and birds eat them. Yeah. Well, like, we have we have native worms, red worms, and red wigglers, and things that. Oh, okay. So, what kind of worms are we talking about? Earthworms, like what earth, like the big fat chunky ones, like the ones with like the like... the big round part. Or well, I mean, they're all round, but like the like we think of like earthworm gym. Does anybody get that reference? No. Nobody? Nope. nope. Y'all don't know what Earthworm Jim is? I think I'm My man. Amazing video I game. I feel like we're going to have a lot of people have the same reaction that you just had when they figure out <laughs> that earthworms are not made. <laughs> okay. So, it, so it's not just like worms. It's a specific type yes. of worm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel much, wait, much wait. better. Red worms are invasive. Oh, well, look at that. I'm wrong then. Ha! I was like, I don't think there's any is, is it actual, just a wiggler? Like, what you would think of as a worm are native. See, hmm. now I'm back to having my mind blown. Like night crawlers. Yeah, that's that's what you're thinking of yeah. in, in, in your mind. Like the yeah. big old yeah, fat Yeah, like a big old juicy worm. Well, actually all of them. <laughs> right. So if you're out fishing and you have leftover worms, throw them in the trash can, not on the ground. Can I can I throw them in the water so the fish get a free snack? No. no. Oh, whoops. <laughs> we said that at the exact same time perfectly. Yeah. Just that was our actual trash can. That was our actual, you know. All right. So, what about mealworms? Wait, no, because they're like they're just a larva. Darkling beetle. Move on. Sorry. Um. So, like I said, we try to hold these animals to the same standard of us, which isn't really fair because they don't have the same cognition ability, cognitive ability, cognition. Um, they don't have the language skills and we got thumbs, man. Look at these bad boys. That's the only thing we have going for us. <laughs> <laughs> so do primates. Yeah. Other primates. Yeah, which are technically smarter than us. Like, if you want to get well again that goes back to your definition of intelligence we need technology to do anything i don't know we made technology without technology yeah but now we have technology yeah now we're dumb <laughs> it's just like we, magic only had thumbs. <laughs> we made technology with these thumbs <laughs> but uh why are we on a zoom call right now and not gorillas true i bet you gorillas could figure it out they could but they haven't yet. If they have the resources, figure it out. Dolphins, de could you imagine dolphins with thumbs? 
this world would be over. <laughs> they would rule everything. <clears throat> everything has okay, a corpus. Okay, so now that we're talking about dolphins, this is like the whole point of animal intelligence. <laughs> Did nobody hear so, me? I said everything has a porpoise. I, <laughs> my favorite lecture ever in college was during a comparative anatomy and our professor totally blew our minds and said there was five different ways. It took them five ways for scientists to prove that humans are smarter than dolphins. So they tried five different ways before the last one finally proved that we're smarter, quote unquote. Huh. Isn't that insane? Oh like, my like we think we're so smart because we can outsmart the, the smart, the system. <laughs> like, <laughs> but again, like I, I think I need an, a definition of smart and intelligence. Because well, again, you'll like only get a human... the dolphins weren't doing these experiments. The you'll only get a human. Okay. Definition. Well, what they what they were doing. I have this. Thank you to my friend Aubrey for sending me this to this because all of my stuff is in storage. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> The first one was size of brain. So they just measured the size of other animals' brains. Dolphins' brains are bigger than ours. For sure. So <laughs> not winning yet. So then they're like, <laughs> well, let's do brain mass to body mass ratio. Yeah, we still didn't win. Dolphins' <laughs> brain mass to their body mass is still bigger. Um, then they did the number of folds inside of your brain. So they think the more folds you have, the more ability you have to create those neurotransmitters. Mm. And so you can create better pathways and know more and learn more and do it faster. We didn't win on that either. <laughs> <laughs> then they oh, did number of folds to the size of your brain. So comparing that to the size, still didn't win. We still don't have more than dolphins. So what finally proved that we are smarter than dolphins it's called the encephalization quotient and it's the size of your brain to the size of your body so not the mass but just the size of you okay what if i'm like me and i'm a fat body oh, like what if you're what average. if you're like an above I average like what if you're seven foot tall yeah what if you're like kareem abdul jabbar 400 we pounds we still win that's my point the encephalization quotient is how we won so we made so, up something yeah. so we could win yes Five different ways to prove that we are smarter than dolphins. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating. Isn't that, we cheated. Like, that totally blew my mind. And ever since then, I have thought, I mean, I've kind of always thought that humans are. We're I think lower on the, on the, I think on the surface. Like think. No, but if you put us out in the wild, like Neanderthal type deal, like we're, we're in trouble. And you bring back all the, all the big predators, wolves. Bears. Even the predators we have now. Like, yeah, humans are extremely fragile. Like our our language ability. It's mostly our egos, is, though. And like our ability to, to communicate with other humans is really, and like, you know, cooperate with other humans, is really like the only advantage we have. Like, But dolphins they, win on that, too. Do they? Yeah. Okay, so we've explored something like 7% of the ocean or maybe even less than that yeah because they found so those new it is caverns. statistically possible that there is an underwater city run by dolphins and they have far more advanced technology than we do for sure that would be incredible they're like That's gungans funny. star wars reference <laughs> they, i don't get it <laughs> come on jar jar binks that's really good that's good <laughs> but yeah there's been experiments where they will blindfold one dolphin and then give a signal to another dolphin and the dolphin that's blindfolded knows what it is just by communicating with the other one and they'll do the same thing hmm. it's like dolphins are so cool <laughs> that's crazy just imagine if they had thumbs they don't even need thumbs. That's the crazy part. <laughs> because so you were talking about like, you know, community and them coming together and like using their brains to work together kind of like we do. And there there is evidence that there's dolphins that have learned how to work together as a pod. And I think it's off the coast of Florida. There's a specific pod that does this, but they they swim in a circle in a mud Pit. Yes, and then the other ones will go around the the circle, and they wait till the fish jump out. So they they 
they tell one of the dolphins, hey, you're in charge of making the mud pit and everybody else is there to gather a free snack. Like, that's so cool. Somebody's it's amazing. awesome. Screwed that one. Does and he we get to go eat to too? McDonald's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> no, I, I, there would be a much smaller population of humans had we, if we had to find our own food, not at the grocery store. Right. But see, that's what I'm saying, like playing devil's advocate. Like we did have to do that and we won. Like we are now on top. Is your rooster going nuts? Is that an actual oh, rooster? My rooster? Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. <laughs> Best sound effect ever. He's sitting at the window yelling at me. Oh my god. So, so funny. Just tell him you're awake. Like I am awake, dude. I don't even know what he's mad about. Either that or he sees his reflection. Anyways, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that was well, I think it's clear that no. chickens are not more intelligent. <laughs> um we'll get to domesticated animals because they kind of got screwed we'll talk about that in a second show did you could you think of an animal that you think is not smart or did i already ask you i can't nothing pops into my head but you know last week we talked about you know turkeys mm -hmm. not being intelligent i'm not sure about domestic but wild turkeys i think they're pretty dang smart Yes, definitely but, yeah. in comparison to, to domesticated turkeys. Um, yeah. Domesticated turkeys are, are one of the hardest to take care of and keep alive in terms of like, they're just not the sharp. And I mean, it's not their fault. I don't think it's really any domesticated animal's fault. One, they have no predators. Mm -hmm. They don't have to search for food. It just gets thrown at them. So like right. their ability over time to have to survive has basically been diminished and now that they're just, if, if however turkeys communicate, um, they're sitting there like, oh, you just wait for the food. They just throw it at you. Don't mm -hmm. worry. It'll be there in like 10 minutes. It's fine. They hit you right in the face with it. It's fine. <laughs> you think they sit there calmly? <laughs> no, they like go crazy. Why do you think my rooster's yelling at me at the door? <laughs> He's hungry right now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think domesticated animals, they can't be held in the same category either because... Yeah. And you could, and there's probably some people out there who thinks, oh, they've capitalized. They've basically done it to where they've traded companionship or some of their resources, food, milk, eggs, whatever, for food. They just don't know that they're food yet. <laughs> what if we're the domesticated ones? What if? Well, this has been all a sick Ooh. joke then. Like Could the be. dolphins forced us on to land millions of years ago <laughs> to like corral us I'll and they're just waiting <laughs> and they're, they're like, like waiting for the oceans to rise sitting there with their then... flippers <laughs> moments i'm a, i'm on to something here guys <laughs> the dolphins are the superior species of earth and they've just been biding their time an animal that i thought wasn't very intelligent and i don't think would be alive if it weren't for humans were pandas they're kind of yeah. derpy. So when you look at a panda's skull and their mouth and their teeth, they are designed to be an omnivore. That's usually how we determine an animal's ability to, like, what they eat. So uh -huh. mm -hmm. based on their teeth and their skull structure, they have the ability to eat meat. I mean, I can imagine that they probably, when they're eating bamboo, they, they will probably eat some insects, you know, as it comes through. One, they picked one food source. <laughs> one just one the fastest growing food source though okay right. fair enough but <laughs> they only they picked one and it has like very minimal nutritional value the only thing that probably has less than it is eucalyptus which is what koalas chose who are also not super intelligent <laughs> so there's and that it's actually toxic isn't it <laughs> well not to them but not to them right but like to everything else yeah and then they're terrible at raising young awful I honestly think if it weren't for humans, that pandas would probably be extinct already. If there weren't interventions for by zoos and scientists and things like that, I think we would have already seen. Um, and, and there are some animals that that happens to um, because of loss of environment and things like that. But pandas are just like, that's a retirement plan right there. Sit around eating salad all day. 
Doesn't sound terrible. As long as it's a good salad. Right. Replace salad with cookies and I'm in. This does not sound promising. One of my favorite videos, re- video rabbit holes to go down on the internet is those compilations of pandas falling down, like at zoos and stuff. <laughs> or like they're so clumsy and chubby and adorable. It's awesome. <laughs> Highly recommend. All right. So let's talk about some animals. Um, that according to science and according to the internet, the all-knowing internet, um, yeah. are intelligent animals. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of stuck with some that are close to here, and then we'll go into ones that aren't from here. We've actually already hit a good number of animals that aren't from here. Um, with Melissa's dolphin rant, it wasn't really a rant. It was very well-planned and informed, by the way. Yeah. So good job, You're Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so pigeons, smart or not smart? I think they get the reputation smart. that they're not smart. Yes, you get that bird brain. That's yeah. what people think, all birds are dumb. No, pigeons are actually super intelligent. Um, and I say all pigeons, not just like rock pigeons you see downtown or um, kind of flying by, but all pigeons. So when you think of a really intelligent bird that is now extinct, the passenger pigeon, that bird was able to do literally what it says and carry notes and letters and things like that. Um, it was also delicious, which wound up being its demise. Not that I knew what it tasted like, but everything I've read about the passenger pigeon says that people thought they were delicious. Um, pigeons have the ability um, to recognize themselves in a mirror, which I thought was fascinating. Huh. So which probably benefits them when um, uh, mating or you know looking for a mate. And then they also have really good co-parenting skills. So they share huh. not only nest building, but they share um, sitting, not laying, but sitting, taking care of, feeding, et cetera, which doesn't happen in all birds. And they also have the ability um, to uh, find um, different tools and things to use to um, make things work. So I thought it was fascinating and did not know about pigeons. Uh-huh. Another cool. one that I think people think aren't smart but are, are squirrels. I think squirrels are probably some of the sharpest animals, and I want to wait for Melissa's reaction here, and Cheryl's. (laughs) So this is why I think they are. Um, So squirrels, number one, they basically, they're a woodland creature that has developed and grown along next to humans. If you've ever seen one get into a bird feeder, that right there should tell you all you need to know about squirrels opportunistic Mm -hmm. boom they can find it anywhere Mm -hmm. number two is their ability to hide food and then find it later now granted they hide a lot of food they cache a lot of nuts they cache a lot of seeds and things for winter and for colder months they also pretend to hide food which if you've ever witnessed this it is stinking fascinating so basically what they do is they walk over like they got something in their hands their grubby little hands and they go over and they dig a hole and they look around and they'll wait and they wait till they see another squirrel's looking at them and then they'll cover up the hole huh. pat it down and you'll see the squirrel come over and try to take what isn't there which <laughs> when i first learned about that, that in college so I was like funny. this is bull crap and then you go like <laughs> look up youtube videos and it's they're everywhere so, so funny so cool so they're really cool we've talked about crows a lot on previous episodes so i won't bore you with that um, but crows are super smart so according to humans they're smart but they do have facial recognition skills they can use tools and different things this is one that has a domestic and a wild um kind of in between area here so pigs i'm gonna i'm gonna take over on the wild one here and say yes i think they're super intelligent they also w- will eat anything and they'll basically clear out an entire landscape of wild wild pigs and wild boars. So they really just kind of just assert themselves where they, they see fit. Melissa, domesticate. I've never had any experience with domesticated pigs. So, Okay, so I've heard that pigs have actually a really good memory, like up to three years or something like that. And that's where they get part of their intelligence from is they can remember like, for a long time and you can teach them tricks and i mean everybody's seen skateboarding pigs right like 
Yeah. If you haven't, oh, go yeah. look at skateboarding pictures. <laughs> what have you been doing with your uh, life? <laughs> so like they, they can learn how to do things, which I think is a big part of intelligence. You're not just constantly doing the same thing. Um, overall, do I think they're super smart? No. <laughs> they just they just dig a lot with their nose. They got good sniffers, man. Yeah. That's how you they do. Them. They can be trained to, uh, you know, hunt uh, truffles. Truffles. Yeah, truffle. Yeah. Thank you. So can bears, but not everybody just got a bear. <laughs> yeah, that pigs, would be so cool. <laughs> pigs are a little less bitey. Dude, no, there was a uh, TV no show way. called Filthy Riches. I remember from when I was a high schooler. And this guy had two pet black bears. He lives in North Carolina, and he uses them to hunt truffles. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I, I want to go live with him. <laughs> oh. And then rats. So this is another one that gets like a two for one. So rats are one of the only animals to inhabit every single continent except for Antarctica. I think rats are uber smart. Yep. And if Agreed. you're listening to this and you're looking for a pet for one of your kids, get a rat. I'm <laughs> telling you, it is the best pet you can get for a little kid. I'm going to clear something up too. You can teach them tricks. They are small. They are not stinky like some people think. They're, they're so fun to have as a pet. So get a rat. <laughs> but they they can remember mazes and the first time that they do them, they can remember it the next time, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I still get lost in the woods. Like, <laughs> So their sense of direction is super smart. They are able to maneuver things. They're able to use tools, all of the things that we've kind of already talked about for how we kind of base intelligence off of. They're also amazing, classically trained French chefs. That's not <laughs> known by a lot of people. <laughs> when Melissa gives advice on getting pets, proceed you with can, caution. You can take it. No, I was going to say, you will wind up with a pet before you even know it. Just because I told you to get a puppy and you guys got a puppy. Like, I think everybody should have a puppy. But seriously, the best pets for kids are rats and snakes. Yeah, snakes are low maintenance. Yeah, that's why. If you don't, if you forget to feed them for three weeks, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not you like you could go on vacation and like you could just feed them before you leave and then come back and they'll be fine. You yep. just got to make sure they eat so you don't come back to a stinky rat or a stinky mouse. Barf. I mean, yeah, that's all part of pethood parenting. Right. <laughs> uh, usually, when when I go to think about purchasing a pet. I usually ask Melissa first, so. You don't think about purchasing any pets. You're right. Your wife wanted a puppy, and I told you to get one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Also, I have convinced my sister to get a cat when she was living. I don't even remember where she was. There was a random cat that showed up on her porch, and I convinced her to bring it inside, and now she still has it. And Uh. I just didn't want the cat outside. (laughs) Which, I agree with that. I didn't want a cat outside either. Now, there are some other ones that are not from Ohio that are really intelligent animals and have some pretty fascinating abilities. Melissa uh, talked a lot about dolphins already. Um, octopi, oh, they are yeah. super, yeah. super yep. intelligent. They yep. can manipulate different jars, shells, everything. They can open things. They can close things. They um, have the ability uh, to recognize change in their direct environment so they'll move if they feel threatened or anything so i thought that was fascinating here's one that blew my mind african lungfish the african fish lungfish the african lungfish listen to this so basically what they do is if they feel threatened or endangered they will remove themselves from the water they can survive outside of the water for up to a year wow so what? we know one fish that can survive for like a few hours out of the water, the snakehead fish, which is an invasive fish. But these lungfish, what they do is they come out of the water, they dig themselves like six to eight inches down into the soil, cover themselves in a mucus, and they're able to use that lung to breathe. Completely blew my mind. That's like, crazy. That is That's wild. really cool. That is, so man. I think that is an excellent adaptation, especially when you think about Africa too. You think about a lot of dry times, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of being right next to the Nile River. Um, 
you think of it can be really dry there. So like I think that has is definitely a beneficial adaptation for them to uh if you know water gets scarce or something. So cool. Uh then we've talked about chimps and orangutans being really, really smart. Elephants. Elephants are super, super I have, sharp. Yeah. I've heard that, yeah. Well, you think about as a circus and animal, which I do not condone circuses in any way, shape, or form that abuse animals. Not what I'm saying. But when you think about those, they're easily trained, easily um, to kind of take lead. Easily? And, well, I, I wouldn't say easier than most <laughs> animals. <laughs> the squishy. They, it, they apparently have a very high emotional intelligence, too. Um, yeah. Like they're very, like all of them are protective of young not just like their own young uh they mourn when like a member of the family dies it's it's crazy a lot of uh turkeys wild turkeys actually do that too you ever seen oh, really? one of those um one of those turkey circles basically is what happens is if a turkey dies they'll like do like a little circle around them like for oh, a little wow, while I didn't know that. morning so that's not an uncommon thing with some animals and then this is a fascinating fact, not related to animal intelligence. I didn't know <laughs> that elephants stay pregnant for two years. African elephants. Ugh. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's either. crazy. What? Yikes. But that's also why they're so protective of their young, because they have to put so much effort into reproducing one young. Yeah. So, Do that, elephants ever have twins? I mean, I imagine it's happened, but it would probably kill the elephant. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so for animals that are usually, like, pregnant for that longer, they only have a baby. Elephants, it's what, every, like, three to five years or yeah. something like that, like, post-birth. Like, they don't get pregnant right away. Mm -hmm. um, they're, the ability for them to carry twins or triplets or anything like that, is, it's very rare and very hard on the mom there because they're they're designed to pour all of this into one baby not right. two. that makes sense hmm. fascinating look at how much we've learned already <laughs> you guys um, are on my topic today <laughs> so i well this was honestly this was sparked because of you like i had said earlier so i i mentioned to you guys that um i think some animals get that way because of human interaction um, and they get that way because we've taken over their habitat or something like that. So one of the parks I used to work at, um, I think the white-tailed deer there, usually deer are pretty, pretty, you know, scarce in terms of like their ability to hang out around humans, um, with the exceptions of ones that in like parks, like the park district I worked in, um, I won't put out any names or anything. It's not in Ohio, so nobody here has to worry. Uh, but mm -hmm. the white-tailed deer there were just so... There were so many of them. There would be times where I would see, I mean, and this was like a 275 acre park. And I would say upwards of like 400 at a time I would see in a field. Whoa. Oh my so people, and they walk right up to people because people feed them and they uh, basically get out and take pictures. And so what had happened was is these deer were basically clearing out the entire forest floor of all plant material and everything. And there was basically nothing left. So we lost box turtles. Um, there were other reasons we had lost a lot of owl species, which was not related to the deer. Um, but it was crazy to watch these deer. They had no care for you whatsoever. Like would come up right to the front door of the nature center and just stand there when you walked out. Oh. It's just like, whoa, <laughs> this is a bit much. So they need a calling program. <laughs> Um, and then we see some yeah. in some areas around here where animals get fed um, and they basically have changed their environment to people feeding them. Mm -hmm. So I can think of a specific place where there is a squirrel with cankles, the fattest squirrel <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Um, it is just crazy. And then even like when you see, uh, you know, animals that are coming up to people that should not be mm -hmm. red fox coyotes things like that like those things they're not supposed to come up to people like that's not what's supposed to happen but what's happening is is people are feeding them and they're seeing it as a free meal and then people are getting upset when they're they get bit or their kid gets bit you know, don't mess with wildlife you know yeah. if you're rescuing something call the professionals first 
call back to the wilds, call us, call someone who knows what they're doing. Um, but if you have, if you're curious or you think you're going to get bit or there's a potential for getting bit or hurt, don't do it. Cause then that animal has to be put down out of. Well, and a big thing with feeding is like, again, we're just trying to put our emotions on animals, wildlife. And I am the first person that will run up and snuggle any animal, but it's also important to know the difference between it's okay to do that to a horse or a dog, but you really shouldn't be training a squirrel to come up and eat out of your your palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. Or you think it's cute that you have, you know, 15 raccoons that are eating out of your dog's food bowl. That's just breeding disease. It's breeding. um, It's not teaching them how to survive on their own. And then they're teaching their young how to do that. And then it it just slowly breaks down the population and it's not good for, for anyone involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So, all right, I'm going to, do one more. This is a whole group of animals that I think should be included on animal intelligence with adaptations. And then we're going to go to my news article, which has nothing to do with animal intelligence whatsoever, (laughs) but it's still pretty funny. All right. So amphibians, I think amphibians that can regenerate body parts. Yeah. That is just stinking fascinating because when you think about that intelligence, that's no, it's an adaptation, but it, it, they have the intelligence to know, Hey, I can drop this tail or I can drop this leg. And get myself out of but a bad situation. But do they think that? They don't think like, hey, I cut off my finger. I'm going to grow a new one. It just happens. See, but we don't know that. <laughs> Almost fell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, okay. I no, guess you, no you're right. They, they might not have that cognitive ability to know. Or I cut my finger off. I'm not going to grow a new one because I don't need it. Like, yeah. like, they would have to be able to do one or the other. True. For it to be considered, in my opinion, oh, that intelligence. Sounds like, that sounds like another episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then, all right, so are we ready for this, this news article? Article of the week. Hey-o. I was going right. to say, we need some like uh, news of the week music. Um, how about right there? <laughs> <laughs> of the week. <laughs> All right, you ready? All right, ready. so oh, yeah. normally I just read the, the headline and then I base what I say next off your reactions. <laughs> uh, Newton's recipe for toad vomit lozenges up for auction. Nope. Uh, toad vomit lozenges, is that what you said? Yes. So, can, you re- can you repeat that? <laughs> Newton's <laughs> recipe for toad vomit lozenges up for auction. So they are talking about Sir Isaac Newton? Sir Isaac Newton. Toad so did he take lozenge. toad vomit, which, how do you get toad vomit? And <laughs> how do you turn it into a lozenge? Turn it into a sore throat drop? So basically, this was Newton's cure for the Black Plague. Huh. <laughs> and we're going to cure... When you say it, quote, unquote. (laughs) Big quotation marks. So legitimately found in one of his journals and notebooks was this toad throat lozenge black plague cure. Blew my mind first. Second, I was like, he was just trying to make money off somebody is what he was doing. So basically what you do is you take the toad and you hang it in the fireplace (laughs) (laughs) for like three to four days oh my goodness and as the toad's (laughs) dead it just slowly oozes things out of its body and and then you take that and use some sugar and make it into a lozenge it's it's a pretty extensive uh recipe here okay so what was his percentage of survivability (laughs) then <laughs> Could you imagine like oh this this I honestly if people were dying of the black plague today and you told me like I'm talking like right now and people are dying in the streets I would probably take whatever anyone gave me like okay it's going to cure me like I I don't think there was does no that, How does that come from the same guy who Laws of motion, the laws of physics, laws of physics, laws of motion. This is the same guy. <laughs> He's like, hey, wait, I got an idea. Let's hang the dog upside down. I'm gonna put that in my throat. So, you don't have to be the first to discover everything. 
<laughs> I mean, he got he got he must have got real lucky on the whole laws of physics thing. He's like, well, hey, at least one of my ideas two for stuck. two. Right. <laughs> so basically, I if this was just say I lived back in that time and I had a journal in my office that said throat lozenge, toad vomit. They would just throw it in the garbage. But because it's Newton's, it's like, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, well, it's legit. It hasn't sold yet. Maybe it was a practical joke. But the starting bid was something like 50 grand. Ooh. I mean, yeah, the opportunity to have anything from... It's going to get bought by a journal or bought by someone rich. Yeah, what if if he was totally just, like, trolling people? Like, he knew that his notes would be highly sought after after he died. So he just stuck it in there. (laughs) He invented trolling, too. He invented trolling. There you go. No, I, I think he probably, in my opinion, he said, I'm going to capitalize on some money here. That's what I would have done. Huh. You know, I do fun. often wonder about that, though. Like, we've talked about this, you know, in the midst of this current pandemic. It's like, what if the, like, miracle cure for some disease turned out to be something really, really obscure that we would just never think to use? Something like toad vomit like man what if the cure for the coronavirus is hanging a toad upside down in your fireplace for three days we'll pull our money together we'll buy this and make them <laughs> no i bet you it's bat vomit or bat yeah, yeah yeah what if, yeah, yeah just like straight guano you just take straight i fully guano. believe that there is a cure for everything on earth and we've probably killed it <laughs> that too such a good outlook (laughs) i mean like how many plants and insects have vanished since the beginning of time like right well if you want to get real technical let's think about how many have disappeared since 1950 and that's the disheartening part yeah it's all part of the dolphin's plan (laughs) i would have no problem going back to the ocean (laughs) give me flippers that's what the dolphins want right i'm okay with that (laughs) Moving to their city. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a great episode. Thank you guys very much. Thank everyone else for listening. And we hope that you guys have a good one. Thank you. Bye.